2 John, we'll be studying verse 9 this evening, and you can see this book, a short book, is closed, is quickly coming to an end. Uh, at the beginning of this book, I'd ask you all to read it uh, week by week, and I, I would ask you again every week. It's only 13 verses, and it's a short book. Please read 2 John all the way through in one sitting. It's super easy, and we've done extensive studies verse by verse. It's super easy to chase rabbits. I'm asking you, please, in one sitting, make your way all the way through Second John. It was written as a letter to be read. If I were going to read, write you a letter, even if it were just a few sentences down, um, would, would you break apart every sentence line by line? Some of us might, but most of us would just read it as a letter, as it is. So we're reading this letter, and we're studying this letter as we go. Um, the, the, the summary verses of, of 2 John are found in verses 5 and 6. He says, Now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment. Remember that lady, uh, I believe, is a, is a local church, and the children that is spoke of is the member of, membership of that church. Yeah. Now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning. Who's the we? It's the Lord's church. Go back to John chapter uh, 13, where he says, a, uh, a new commandment I give you. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. He's saying, we had it from the beginning, but it's not new. It's not new anymore. You know, I, I've got a couple vehicles that they're not new anymore. They were new at one time, but they're not new anymore. Not anywhere near new. It was new when the Lord Jesus said it in John chapter 13. It's not new in Second John chapter uh, verse 5. But that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. One a definition of, uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, you get a definition of how God loves sinners. In 2 John, verse 6, you see a definition of how sinners love God. Somebody says, I love God. This is going to be the definition of how that love is expressed. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. Whose commandments? My commandments? Yes. Your commandments? No, God's commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. That you should trust the Lord and do what he says. That's, that's, what, it, that's what he's saying. So today, <clears throat> we're looking at verse 9. He says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Boy, that's some straight language, isn't it? He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So there's several, uh, there's several um, options that we have for a title. One option for a title is actions do the talking. That's one option we have for a title. Yeah. Another option we have for a title is the doctrine of Christ. You see that there's a there's the doctrine of Christ, and if you if if someone transgresses, they abide not in the doctrine of Christ, and they don't know God. And if someone uh, abideth in the doctrine of Christ, they have both the Father and the Son. So you can say that, wow, this is we're talking about saved people and unsaved people, so we better understand what the doctrine of Christ is, right? Another option for a a title would be the haves and the have-nots. Well, have and have what? Have and have not what? The doctrine of Christ. So which one, whichever one of these titles you want to go with, um, haves and have-nots might stick in, easier to remember. But we're talking about the central issue here of the doctrine of Christ. Okay. So let's look at the have-nots first. The have-nots first. So what do we know about the have-nots from this passage? 
whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. That transgression means to neglect or violate, to abandon, to pass over, to go contrary to, transgress. Everyone is a transgressor daily in thought, word, and deed. Everyone is. Everyone is. Okay? Everyone by birth is a transgressor of the law, needing grace, mercy, and peace. That's what we talked about in verse 3. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I, why do I need grace, mercy, and assurance of peace? Because by birth I'm a transgressor. By birth you're transgressors, right? So the gospel according to Christ, so the doctrine of Christ in his gospel does liberate the believer from, from sin. It's what it does. Okay, we we read in First John how that it does, that Christ cleansed us from from sin, and, and that in that cleansing from sin, it, it, it it's now and in the world to come. Right, that he that he's light and he cleanses from sin. Okay, look if you would in First John chapter three. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5. And ye know that he was manifested or evidenced or revealed to take away our sins. When? I mean, yeah, it was 2,000 years ago. But I didn't live 2,000 years ago. And he's not going to take away my sins in the world to come because I won't be a sinner in the world to come because I have a new body. When will my sins be taken away? Whoso committed sin transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Doesn't mean I'm sinlessly perfect. It means I don't dwell in sin and sin bothers me. Right? That conviction by the Spirit of God through the Word of God causes me to repent, even being a saved person, turning, turning from my sin, turning to Christ. Look back at verse 3. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. In the mind of God, I'm pure right now. But I'm not altogether pure. I'm still a sinner. Okay. So by definition, transgression of the law is sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse, verse 4, we read, Whoso commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. We know that. So when he says, Whoso, Whosoever transgresseth, he's not saying at all time, anywhere and everywhere. He's referring to those that continue in sin. Okay? So if you go back a verse, two verses, and he's talking about deceivers and antichrists, he's talking about the Gnostics, someone who says that they're saved, and yet there's no fleshly evidence in it because they don't believe in a, in a fleshly gospel. They don't believe that as literally Jesus died and rose again in his body, that there's an evidence of the gospel in the believer. So someone who transgresseth or continues in sin do not abide in the doctrine of Christ. And someone who does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He's not talking about what they're talking about, right? He's saying abide or what they do. There are deceivers. And though they say they believe many things with swelling words, they do not believe in the bodily form of the gospel. Okay? We read that 
and go back to 1 John chapter 3. And verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you that he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil or continues in sin. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For for this purpose was God, was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin. Right? So the work of salvation has an effect. Those that transgress or continue in the transgression or continue in sin, they do not dwell in the doctrine of Christ. They abide not. They don't hold continually. You can think about the, the parable of the sower. Some, they die straight out. Some grow up for a little while until, until the sun beats down on them. Some, the birds carry away. Oh, they look fine for a while. I've been a believer and a member of a church over 20 years, and I've seen all, I've seen the parable of the sower come and go. Brother White, have you seen the parable of the sower played out in life? I'm sure you have. There's deceivers out there. Well, how do you know that it's playing out? Well, they went on from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they no doubt have would continue with us. That's what John said in 1 John. They do not remain in the doctrine of Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means Jesus Christ in the flesh. But there's a lot of things. If you, if, and the, this is just a, a broad outline of what the doctrine of Christ is. Okay, So if you want to make some notes, I'm, I'm sure you might have you thought of some things I didn't think of. But these are, these are broadly the things that pertain to the doctrine of Christ. First of all, that God came in the flesh. That's, that's one of the very first presentations of, of the doctrine of Christ way back in Genesis chapter 3 when God Almighty said to the woman, your seed will stamp on his head. That, that the seed of the woman, not the seed of Adam, but the seed of the woman will be victorious over Satan. The doctrine of Christ. He must come in the flesh. Right? He must come in the flesh. If he came into the, in the flesh, and you can read in Hebrews chapter 2, that he was made like unto his brethren, flesh and blood. Be, he, he would be a merciful and faithful high priest. Hey, look, there's a, there's a man right now. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is at the right hand of the Father. And because he is there, he is a faithful high priest to redeem his people unto himself. How can flesh and blood enter into the to the heavenly? Because Christ did. He first descended and then ascended. Book of Ephesians. So the doctrine of Christ came in the flesh. Well, that sound that's easy to grab a hold on. There there are few true Gnostics that do not believe that Jesus Christ took a fleshly form. There are few. I believe most people you encounter believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. There are less people that believe that He is the Son of God. There's a oneness doctrine that he is God and and that there is no father nor son nor spirit, but all are God. I believe that there is one God and he's three. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, right? That's what it says in 1 John. So he is the Son of God. If he is not the Son of God, then he has some mental problems because he regularly spoke in the gospel, according to John, of his Father, even speaking to his father in the book of Luke, and he referred to the spirit that would come from the father. So surely there must be a father, a son, and a spirit. But he is the son of God, God in the flesh, the image or icon of God himself. So God in the flesh, 
de- absolute deity, absolute humanity, the Savior of his people. With those things in mind, the doctrine of Christ then, how can he be the Savior of his people? Well, he has an office of Christ. The word Christ means Messiah or anointed one. His Messiahship. Only one can be a mediator of the new covenant. And it must be Messiah. It must be God in the flesh. Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill toward men on earth. Peace and goodwill toward men on earth. How can that be except there be the new covenant assurance, the mediator, Jesus Christ? He is a surety as the prophet, that prophet out of the book of Deuteronomy. He is a surety as the Lamb of God who satisfied all the, all the priestly uh, images there in the tabernacle and the temple. He is the Lamb and the priest. He is that great king that, that David was promised of that would come of his lineage that would reign forever. He is all those things being God in the flesh, yet man. In that, how can someone be a mediator of the covenant? Read in the book of Hebrews. Brother Gary, when does your will take effect? After you die. So he in the flesh had to die. You can't kill a spirit. He had to die. So according to his sufferings, not just die, but the sins of his people be laid upon him unto death. You see? So in his sufferings, there must show then a satisfaction of God for the judgment of sin, a just reward for sin placed on the innocent, declaring the guilty to be just or justified. You see? The doctrine of Christ. A literal suffering in the body of Christ. In his body, he bore our sins. In his body. The Gnostic would have trouble with that. In his body. If his, in his body he bore our sin, in his body he brings grace, mercy, peace, redemption, pardon, justification, and complete salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. Then his impact on the lives he touched must also be in the body. Look in verse 3. Again, of Second John. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. How is that? It's because God in the flesh, the Son of God, the, the Messiah, Christ, in His sufferings, in His gospel, brings grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. Who's He say? Be with you. Right? I'm confident that I'm standing here in the flesh. If you, if you said, hey, you, it's me. In the flesh, I would hear you with my ears. I, I can read this with my eyes. You, grace, mercy, peace, be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read that, be with you is a continual verb in the present tense. Meaning, if I say I am with you, that means I'm with you right now, but I'm with you going forward. Jesus said to his, his church in Matthew 28, Lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. That's a continual present tense verb. This is a continual present tense verb, but it's based on the physical body, dead, buried, and risen again, the justification and and salvation of the people of God. Because of grace, mercy, and peace, verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. How do you do that? Do I walk mentally? 
I mean, if I thought about coming over here from the house but never did it, how, how long would it take me to get here? There's people that think about stuff all the time. No, this is the, the doing aspect of it. So just as much as Christ, God Almighty in eternity past loved a people, at some point Jesus Christ in the flesh had to come and suffer, be, die, be buried, and risen again. There was a bodily form of that. Likewise, there's a bodily form of the evidence of that. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. So in the doctrine of Christ, you have the impact of the lives of the people we touch. Every single person that Jesus healed in the, in the New Testament, take up thy bed and walk, thy sins be forgiven thee. Go and tell what great things the Lord had done for thee. Find a person that Jesus Christ healed and did not command to live it. Right? Every person that he impacted, the doctrine of Christ is healing of the soul, but application in this life. Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Somebody, no matter what they say, someone does not abide or live in the doctrine of Christ, they don't have God. That's not me saying it. That's John saying it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago. His ascension, acceptable before God, the doctrine of Christ. His present intercession, the doctrine of Christ. He, he ever liveth to make intercession for his people. He makes intercession for me, not just at Calvary that he died for my sin, but by his blood, he, he, as Satan were, were to, to come make pleas against me and to accuse me. That's what he is, the accuser. That I have an advocate or I have a defense with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. His imminent return, the doctrine of Christ. As we see the day approaching, what manner of men and women and boys and girls all we ought to be. Those that have our hand on the door ready, ready to say, here I am, ready and willing master. You see, So the doctrine of Christ, while there is a lot of theology there, what I believe... You can see that that theology ought to govern how I live. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Evidently, there is some controversy, those saying they have God and the evidence that they don't. See, Putting it together. One cannot continue in sin and abide in the doctrine of Christ at the same time. If I continue in sin, if, if I transgress and continue in sin, I cannot abide in the doctrine of Christ. It's impossible. It's impossible. If one professes the doctrine of Christ but rejects it in their lives, they're of Satan. That's what it says in verse 7. Many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus, is coming, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and, and an antichrist. Well, wait a second. I believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Do you abide in the doctrine of Christ? That in his body he bore our sins, and in his body bearing our, bearing our sins, having our sins, that he does cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there a cleansing? If someone says that they abide in the doctrine of Christ, but do not subscribe to cleansing in the, in the present flesh, then they do not abide in the doctrine of Christ. And they continue in sin. They transgress. This letter, John brings together the ideas of knowing and loving truth and walking in it. In fact, they're inseparable. 
Does he say that there's anyone that is sinlessly perfect? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say there's anyone sinlessly perfect. But he does say those that that understand and perceive of the grace, mercy, and peace according to the gospel of Jesus Christ will walk in it as it is a commandment from God. And it will be a rejoicing type event. Rejoicing. I said before when we covered in verse 4 that the, the membership present here, each one of you, and I mean this, each one of you, I greatly rejoice that I find of this body walking in truth. The, the membership that is here. Do you think I greatly rejoice over those members that are under discipline? Absolutely not. I don't rejoice over that. Does God rejoice over any of his children walking in disobedience? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If one does not walk in it, they don't know it or love it. 1 John chapter 5 and 6. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So that light also likewise exposes sin, and we repent. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which, guess what, takes us back to walking in light with him in fellowship. Go back to verse 7. So, a person who continues in darkness, a person who continues in sin, a person that continues without repentance, yet says that they know God, have God, love God, they're not abiding in Christ and they have lied and deceived themselves. Logically, they also have not God. But a mere illusion of godliness. An illusion of godliness. Look at what Paul said to Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last time, perilous times or savage times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, if you don't think people are lovers of their own selves, you've never seen, opened a social media account. There are people that they call them trolls. They'll start fights, just sit back and see how funny it is. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. We just studied mouthing off the parents a few days ago. You, you think about all the other stuff going on, then it mentions disobedient to parents. That, that ought to grab your heart. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Some think that's affection toward kids and they're they're um, they're uh, aborting them. Others believe that's more of a, a homosexual, perverse kind of thing. And, and I'm, I believe it, it has a broader application than that. If we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, any any not loving of our neighbor, cutting people off in traffic would be without natural affection. How do, is that a way to love someone? Is it show them? Show them anger and show them disrespect like that. I believe that the broader application of without a natural affection is it, you can just spend a lot of time dwelling on that idea. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent or lacking self-control, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, this is a religious world, isn't it? We just studied about Goliath, how he... 
He, he had religion. He was calling upon gods, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. How do they do that? How does somebody deny the power of God? How does somebody do that? If they say, okay, yes, God made the dead to live, but I live in dead works and, 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 and as a dead person, according to the course of this present sinful world, that denies the power of God and salvation. Having a form of godliness. Oh, yes, I know God, but not having God, but denying the power of from such turn away. Boy, the have-nots. There's a lot of religious have-nots out there. Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. I believe that's the same deceiver and the same antichrist he mentioned in verse 7. And we're going to study it further next time in verse 10. He says, if, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine or the doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. But who's he talking to? He's talking to the elect lady. These are people that presumably would come into the house of the elect lady with some form of religion, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The have-nots. Well, here's the haves. This is great. Look at this. The haves. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he that trusts the Lord and does what he says, continues in it. He hath both the Father and the Son. That abiding, that means to endure or stay, to dwell in, to live in. This is how we live. Does that mean that a person who abides in the doctrine of Christ will never lie, will never cheat, will never steal, will never sin, will never, will never, will never do all kinds of stuff that is sinful and ungodly? No. It does mean when they do such things that repentance comes and they turn from those things and a desire to walk in light as Christ is light. They desire to have fellowship with God. They desire to abide in the doctrine of Christ and being outside of that is heartbreaking. Remaining. Remaining in the doctrine that God, that Jesus Christ is indeed God in the flesh. I'm very glad. I'm very glad that he came in the flesh, that God came in the flesh. What if he were some distant God that was not a partaker of the sufferings of his people, but was just a God out there that, that was some loose overseer of knowledge and there was no application? You know, I've heard of this saying that Noah might have had it and he didn't, but it's supposed to be a cute little story that he had a little bumper sticker on the back of the ark that said, smile, God loves you. What if that were the case that God loved from a distant place on his throne, but his love had no earthly, tangible, fleshly application to his people. Wouldn't that be a miserable thing? I think so. I'm glad. I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. Thank you. So God in the flesh, the Son of God, God himself, he didn't send an ambassador. He didn't send... He didn't send an angel even, and that would have been a higher being than ourselves, but he didn't send an angel. He sent himself. If you think about God being three in one, God sent himself to be the representative and ambassador of salvation to his people. If you're in a tight spot, what's the likelihood that Joe Biden's going to show up at your front door and knock and say, I'm here to help? It's pretty low, isn't it? It's pretty low. You ever try to get a hold of some one of these like cell phone companies or something or a credit card company and try to try to answer a question? You can't get a hold of somebody that speaks English, let alone the boss of the place. 
But God Almighty in the flesh came to solve the biggest problems of his people. You think about the doctrine of Christ. This is amazing stuff. This is These are things that we, as the people of God, should desire to cling unto him in total gratitude and thankfulness. Yes, I'll do what you want me to do. Yes, I'll be what you want me to be. How may I serve you better, my master and my Lord? When we consider his office and messiahship, yes, he is mediator of the new covenant. I got a letter at work. It came across the facts. It said I had some long lost relative in Canada, some mule out there I'd never met, you know, generations down. And all I had to do was send a little bit of money and they would make sure I got part of my inheritance. Isn't that dumb? Scams. People get it all the time. I don't have some long lost relative I've never heard of before. I've got God Almighty as declared from the scripture. That in his will and testament, he left me all things. Look over there in the book of, book in, the book of, of uh, Romans chapter 8. Look at this. This is amazing stuff. And what, what, what could one give? There's nothing that one could give. Christ died. Look at this. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The son of God in the flesh delivered in the exchange for his people. True Messiahship, the lamb of God, the prophet, the priest, the king, that sure hope in the new covenant. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Talk about inheritance. You know, you, you can let your mind run wild. There used to be a guy, Ed McMahon, he used to show up at the people's house and knock on the door with a bouquet of roses and a great big giant check from Publishers Clearinghouse. People would get so excited at just the hope of that. Consider the hope of the inheritance from Messiah, King Jesus. The exceeding riches of his grace is what the phrasing that Paul used to the church of Ephesus. But that's all because of his sufferings. He became sin for us that knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yes, gates of, uh, of pearl, streets of gold. Very exciting. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. That's what Solomon wrote in the Song of Solomon. In his sufferings, he took the place of, of his people in his flesh, in his body. In his sufferings, as we read in 1 John chapter 3, he has cleansed us from sin. Yes, in the world to come, but now. You see how that the doctrine of Christ has an immediate application. And if I just if I just pulled out my old checkbook and wrote you a check to a big old amount here and handed it to you, would you be thankful? And probably if I asked you for a favor, you'd be, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. In his sufferings, laying down his life in his body, isn't it just simply reasonable that, that the children of God would follow after him? Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't you think that abiding in the doctrine of Christ involves... How we live? Absolutely. 
According to the gospel, according to the grace, mercy, peace, repentance, pardon, justification, and complete salvation by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We sing that song sometimes, I'll live for him who died for me, how happy then my life shall be. Y'all remember that song? I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. Do we mean it when we sing it? How it ought to just be a joy for the people of God to abide in the doctrine of Christ. The impact, again, the impact of the lives that he touched according to the gospel of Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I rejoice greatly that I found thy children of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. What's the alternative? Either knowing truth and not walking in it or not knowing truth and not walking in it. You're not going to walk in truth and not know it. So either one knows the truth and they don't walk in it, which is evidence that they have not God, or they don't know truth at all, but they're just kind of winging it according to their consciousness and also is an evidence that they don't know God. But having God... And having the Son, Jesus Christ, it says in the verse, or he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. And you cannot separate the doctrine of Christ with walking in truth and walking according to those commandments. You cannot. Any more than you can separate salvation from, from the gospel. Can you be saved in Jesus Christ in the body, not die, bury, and rise again? Can you be saved without the gospel? Please say no out loud. No, you can't be saved without the gospel. Can someone have experienced the gospel and yet have no bodily form of it? Verse 9 says no. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, his sufferings, his gospel, his impact on the lives he touched, in his ascension. Look, if you were back in the book of Romans, we touched on baptism a few weeks ago. I want you to see something in chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It seems like it's a pretty consistent teaching in the Word of God, doesn't it? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For someone to say that there is no necessity of a walking in the newness of life according to the doctrine of Christ, they are saying that Christ did not rise from the dead. You see it? He said, look at that, read it again. Even so, so just as much as Christ rose from the dead, a person who has been saved will be a new person, will be a changed person, will walk in newness of life. Christ was dead, now he's alive. I was dead in trespasses and sins, now I'm alive. I'm going to behave as a new person. 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man be in Christ, according to the doctrine of Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The doctrine of Christ. Can you find in the scripture anywhere that the doctrine of Christ does not apply to a new way of living? Doctrine of Christ. Genesis chapter 12. God called Abraham. Get away from your family. Get away from your people. Go to a place I'll show you. Follow me. Right? The doctrine of Christ. Everywhere. Everywhere. Go and sin no more. The doctrine of Christ. The impact in the lives of touch, his ascension. Just as much as Christ rose from the dead and just as much as he ascended to the Father, the child of God has such an expectation. And having the expectation of one day being in the presence of the Father, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verse 6. Just as much as Christ ascended to the Father, the joyful expectation of the believer to one day be in the presence of the Father by the merit of Jesus Christ ought to get us pretty happy about living for Him. His present intercession. Thank God. Thank God in our prayers, in our daily prayers, in our moment-by-moment prayers, we can call upon the Father in Jesus' name. That we have an advocate with the Father. His imminent return. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Think about his imminent return. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Well, Paul is about to be beheaded in Rome. You know, on that that timeline of life, I don't know when I'm going to die. I might not make it out of this building. Heart attack, stroke, meteor. There was a guy that was driving over from Honey Island this morning. He told me a big whopper of a story. He said he was driving over here, and out of nowhere, something fell out of the sky and hit his windshield. It's got a big crack on it. I said, yeah, right. I walk out there, and it looks like a, a little baseball had fallen out of an airplane and hit hit the front of it. I can't. He might have been lying to me. He might have had it happened a year ago. I don't know, but he, he was steadfast that it happened today. What if something like that fell out and hit me in the head? I, my skull couldn't stop it. Regardless. Can you say within your heart, I am now ready to be offered for the time of my departure is at hand? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Boy, he's not just saying that from a heart. He's When you have fighting and running and keeping, he, the, his beliefs came out in how he lived and that he abided in the doctrine of Christ. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Some people say, oh yeah, I love the Lord. I can't wait till he comes back. Would I say that my kids love my appearing if I say this room better be cleaned up by the time I come in here? And they're just in there having a big old time and throwing confetti up in the air. Would I say that they love me coming by? No, I'd say they disregarded it and really didn't care much about it. If I come back to a spotless room, I'd say, okay, they they love my appearing. A child of God loving the appearing of Jesus Christ will indeed fight and run and keep. They will. They'll abide in the doctrine of Christ. A child of God found in sin 
Do not want to remain there. Again, 1 John, we read this a few minutes ago. Read it again. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If, I, if we say, and you can read it in, in your own heart, if I say that I have no sin, I have deceived myself, and the truth is not in me. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Do you want cleansing? Well, if you think everything you're doing is right, there's no need for cleansing. If, we, if I say that I have not sinned, I make him a liar and his word is not in me. So examine yourself. See the sinfulness you are. Desire to be cleansed. Desire forgiveness. Desire to walk in life. A child of God transgressing will desire to abide in the doctrine of Christ and will thus desire that their transgression would be put away from them. That they will not commit transgression, and when they do commit transgression, that they will be forgiven of those things and repented of those things and will not dwell on those things. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, depending on the gospel, God in the flesh, the Son of God, the, the, the Messiah, Christ, His sufferings, His gospel, His impact on our lives, His ascension, His present intercession, and His imminent return. The children of God will, found, will be found happy we were studying about chastisement in the men's study. That peaceable fruit of righteousness is desirable to a child of God. The bruise of the chastisement, not so much, but the peaceable fruit of righteousness is what the child of God desires while abiding in the doctrine of Christ. We desire that. Have the Father. Think about this. This is really something else. One abiding in the doctrine of Christ has the Father. John, chapter. And we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna read some things really fast here. If you want to jot them down somewhere, the book of John. We're gonna go through a couple places in the book of John. Go to chapter one. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ has the Father. John chapter one, verse eighteen says, "No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him." So the impossible. Having the Father, one that abides in the doctrine of Christ, has the impossible. And that's having God the Father himself. One that abides in the doctrine of Christ has the Father's word abiding in him. John chapter 5, verse 36. John chapter 5 and verse 36 says, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works do that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me and the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me you have neither seen you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape and you have not his word abiding in you for whom he hath sent him ye believe not but you see that he said you don't have his word abiding in you but a believer does one that does believe does have the, the Father's word abiding in them. Verse 39, search the scriptures, for in them you have, think you have eternal life. And there they which testify of me. Chapter 6 and verse 44, taught of God, the word of God. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. That's pretty great stuff. Having the Father who no man can see or hear, but yet having his word in us, that is transformative. 
It is. And Second John 1, abiding in the doctrine of Christ, has the commandment of the Father and walks in the truth. We've read that several times. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received the commandment from the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 6, one abiding in the doctrine of Christ has known and seen the Father. Jesus Christ said, hey, Thomas, what are you talking about, man? You've seen me. How long have you been with me? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. Chapter 14, verses 21 through 24, one abiding in the doctrine of Christ is the abode of the Father and the Son. Abiding in Christ, the Father abides in us. Read that. John chapter 14. You know the verses. John chapter 14. Start reading in verse 21. And look here how it plays out. John chapter 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them abideth in the doctrine of Christ. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest or show myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not a scary Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, abiding in the doctrine of Christ. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode, will abide with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. So if someone, keep, if someone by the power of God, saved, Trust God, does what he says. The evidence of the love of God is there. They keep the commandments, and God dwells in that person. Someone who doesn't love the Father, excuse me, someone who does not keep the commandments has evidence that they do not abide in the doctrine of Christ and does not have the Father or the Son. He that loveth me keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. I'm not making this up. Jesus didn't either. He's saying what the Father had declared. And they are one, we understand that. So, they have the Father. Our text, Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. The Son. There are cases where the children of God are, are, are separated from their parents. These kids often have the same demeanor, interest, and lives as their parents. Okay? I, I was told as a, as a kid that when I get mad that I make a, that, that I won't tell you what my tail is. That way you all can figure it out on your own. But I make, there's something very distinct. I've got to tell when I get super mad. And I was told this as a, as a young person, and my dad showed me a picture of my great-grandpa, and guess what? I, he was making the same expression. This is a guy I never met. Right? So, so children and lineage having the same, same tendencies as people that maybe sometimes they've never met according to their ancestry. Many times they turn out just like their siblings. If two siblings had been separated at birth, that they turn out just like one another. Their nature, their genetic dispositions guide them in their lives in many ways. There's nature and nurture. Right? Circumstances and environment play an impact, but many times it's just genetic. It's natural for one who has Christ. It's natural for one who has Christ according to the doctrine of Christ and has the Father because of the doctrine of Christ. It is natural that they abide in that doctrine. And that not abiding in that doctrine or transgression will bother them. It's a natural thing. That new creature we read of in 2 Corinthians, 
all th- old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Yes, that's if somebody's saved in Silsby, Texas, just the same as it is in Romania, just the same as it is in Plant City, Florida, just the same as it is out, out there in Oregon, just the same as it is in Idaho, just the same as it is 2,000 years ago, it's just the same as it was when God saved and revealed himself to Adam and Eve in the garden some time ago. It's a natural thing for one abiding in the doctrine of Christ to live after it according to the new birth. It's a natural thing. To walk in truth. Again, verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Haves and have nots. Is it possible to be deceived? Well, he said many deceivers are entered into the world. And again, that world doesn't mean out there, you know, Jiffy Boo, but it doesn't mean at Walmart. It means into the aggregate of believers, I believe. it. I believe he's, he's even, because he's warning an assembly, it might have even happened in an assembly that people have, have joined themselves with no bodily manifestation of salvation. Could it happen to us? Well, it has. We had somebody stand right in front of us and say, I don't believe anything. He was even teaching it. I don't believe anything that I, that I said. I, I don't believe it. I don't want to be part of it. Deceivers come in. Said in verse 8, look to yourselves. Verse 9, see that you abide in the doctrine of Christ. Abide in it. There are many people that say they believe many things. How does it bear out in your life? Again, as far as I can tell, the membership present as it is, the, the membership in good standing, those in this room, I rejoice greatly that I find you walking in truth. Abide in it. Abide in it. Hold it. Stay in it. Dwell in it. Desire the doctrine of Christ. What part of the doctrine of Christ disappoints you? God in the flesh, the Son of God, His Messiahship, His sufferings, His gospel, His impact on lives. Do you really miss this present world? That the, that the impact in the life of the, the gospel it disappoints you in some way? Are you sad that it brings holiness and purification to your life? Ascent, the ascension, His present intercession and His imminent return, does any of that stuff bother you? It should not. The doctrine of Christ on every point should bring gladness and joy and gratitude to the children of God in that we should trust Him and do what He says. We should rejoice in having the Father. We should rejoice in having the Son. We should rejoice in living it. Oh, there's a storm coming? Great. That's right. The doctrine of Christ. Yeah. Oh, I've got a bad time in my life right now? Great. The doctrine of Christ. Amen. You name it. That's right. The doctrine of Christ. Rehearse it often. The doctrine of Christ. What did he do? And what did he do? Do for me. And yes, in eternity, but for right now. Your likes and your dislikes, how have they changed? Tremendously, I hope. No, trust the Lord. Find joy. Find joy in being a have. Thank God that he has given you in the gospel and doctrine of Christ salvation that these things would be pleasurable. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. What a joy. Sinner continuing in sin, you transgress. You pass by, you're contrary to, and you are adverse to the doctrine of Christ. 
You may be able to quote many spiritual things, and so can Satan. Oh man, Satan can he can throw a lot of religion out there. He really can. The doctrine of Christ states that all have sinned. And while all have sinned, you have sinned. The doctrine of Christ says that Christ came to save sinners. Save them from what? Themselves. Right? God doesn't judge sin. He judges a sinner. People say, oh, God loves a sinner and hates a sin. Where is that in the book? Where is that in Revelation chapter 20? He judges sinners according to their works, but the sinner is judged. One can only be saved from their sin according to the doctrine of Christ. People want to be saved from their sin in eternity, but they don't want to be saved from their sin right now. Repentance says, I'm a sinner right now. Save me from my sins now. Right? If someone wants to be saved in eternity from their sins, but they don't want to be saved from their sins right now, they're not looking for a Savior. They're looking for a fire escape. My God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have sinned now. Do you see yourself as a sinner now? Well, the gospel of Christ, if someone wants to be saved, that means that they will be cleansed of sin in this life, not just granted forgiveness in the world to come. Do you desire to be cleansed now? If your answer is no, then that's obvious why you continue in your transgressions. And it's an obvious indication you don't have God. You're outside of that as far as anyone can know. Yeah, I, I can't measure the distance of how far someone is away from God. It's either all or all. I don't understand. I don't know. But in relying not on the doctrine of Christ, what's the alternative? It's the doctrine of self, isn't it? Yeah. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they rely on? They relied on the doctrine of self and works and what I think should happen. And let's see how it goes. What you do, what you think, what you know, what you want, who you think you are, what you can get by with. The doctrine of Christ is piercing. The doctrine of Christ, Hebrews chapter 4, the doctrine of Christ. Look at this. The doctrine of Christ, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow, and in a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that does not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then we have a what? Great high priest. You see, when you speak of, of the piercingness of the doctrine of Christ, you immediately come to that advocate and priest according to the doctrine of Christ. You turn to yourself, you turn to others, you'll fail. Only by the doctrine of Christ may one be saved. And I would encourage you, sinner, to repent of yourself. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to the doctrine of Christ, Christ himself. And in he alone, one by the power of God will be saved. And that 
In salvation, it is full and complete. Nothing else to do. It's not Christ in baptism. It's not Christ in, and, and this or Christ in that. It's the doctrine of Christ. And the doctrine of Christ has effect. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.